0: Have you heard the AABP podcast? My name is Dr. Fred Gingrich. I'm the executive director of AABP. And today we're going to talk with our candidates for the AABP 2023 vice presidential election. And those candidates are Drs. Jessica Gernhardt and Callie Willingham. And one of the reasons that we are doing a podcast and we changed when we vote for our vice president is we want to give our members the opportunity to meet the candidates so they can cast their votes to increase participation in our voting process. Our vice president is the only elected leader uh, throughout the entire membership for AABP. The person that is elected to vice president will spend four years on the executive committee, rotating through each office. Vice president, where they are the pre-conference seminar coordinator. President-elect, where they chair the annual conference program committee. president where they chair the board and are the ambassador for AABP. And then they get to enjoy a year's past president, which is their final year on the executive committee. And then the, our past presidents are all lifetime members of the Ford Planning Committee. So this is a very important office, and we encourage our members to utilize the resources that we have to meet the candidates. That includes the podcast today. We have an insert in the November newsletter, Which members can read where candidates submit a biography and answer some questions that our IT coordinator, Ms. Jenny Wren, has put together. And then you can also view the videos of the candidate speeches from the 2022 Long Beach Conference, which are located on the ballot page on the website. You can find that ballot and the page uh, on the scrolling pictures on the homepage where it says vote. You can read the biographies, view the videos, and cast your vote there, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. So we encourage all AABP members to please cast your vote for one of these outstanding candidates, and I want to thank each of them for giving us the opportunity to place their name on the ballot, as well as volunteering their valuable time to AABP. Our first guest is Dr. Jessica Gernhardt. Jessica, please go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Well good morning, Fred. Thank you. Uh, I'm Dr. Jessica Gernhardt. So many of you probably know me as Dr. Jessica Lauren. I did recently get married here last year during all the COVID events. I got lucky and, and found my new best friend of the world and we got married. Um so it's been interesting trying to get my name change recognized in a whole different places. My scrub shirts still say Dr. Lauren yet. My some of my uh, my overalls still say Dr. Lauren and I'm sure it's confusing, but it's been it's been a great thing. Um so I'm I'm a Kansas kid. I grew up in central Kansas on a farm. We uh, uh, one of two girls and my dad was pretty progressive enough at that time to say, well, shoot, she's going to go out there and do everything. So I was a tractor jockey a lot in high school. My first year of college, I went home that summer to go work on the farm for dad and started falling asleep about two o'clock in the afternoon on the tractor and decided that, yep, uh, veterinary career sounds a little bit more exciting for me. So we had, uh, we had steers, or heifers, actually. We started off with uh, stocking and then finishing steers, and Dad switched it over to heifers. So uh, in the wintertime, occasionally, we'd have a, a bottle baby here and there. It was amazing how uh, the really tame ones knew how to get through his really good fences. Um, we had uh, wheat and milo. He had done corn for a little bit. That's before... Uh, the corn that we have now. So he decided that was rough when it get really dry. And so we did a lot of milo and alfalfa and hay. And I was right there in the middle of all of that. When we, when I was younger, we had pigs and we just decided pigs didn't work for us. And so we did cattle. We uh, put them out on pasture in the summertime, brought them in and finished them out in a couple of pins in the wintertime, small operation. And the packing house was like 45 minutes away. And just a few, times in the year. Everything finished out in the spring and we just took uh, a semi-load a week for a few weeks over to Emporia to uh, sell them. My uh, first four head on feed were Holsteins because dad thought that was a great way to identify them and that was a disaster (laughs) for some reason. Even though, you know, really this was pretty low stress at that time, those, we had two out of four of those uh, Holstein steers turn out as dark cutters. So I didn't make much money for college that year. Um, So I just went up the road to Kansas State University. You know, at that time, uh, 70s and 80s, we were going through a farming recession. And I was really active in high school, FFA, and really enjoyed learning about agriculture. And so really kind of got the understanding of what the ag recession was about. Um, So I went to Kansas State University because I was an uh, in-state kid. I could afford it. Um, my freshman year of college, I was actually the state FFA reporter for the state of Kansas, did a lot of traveling around the state, which was fun, got to, got to work with a lot of great kids. And then my sophomore year, I went to work on campus when I wasn't going to school just to pay my way through school. Uh, my sophomore year, my junior year, I worked different places. At one time, I had three different jobs in three different departments across two different colleges. Uh, It it was good because I got to learn. I got to meet a lot of people and got some really interesting uh, background stories, I guess you could say, from that. So after three years, I made it into vet school, uh, did four years at K-State. After vet school, I really liked the beef cattle side and the finishing side. So I I got married first time in vet school, and we went out and moved out to southwest Kansas, which is a whole lot different than where I'm at back home. But it was great. I enjoyed the feed yards. I enjoyed the people out there, and they reminded me so much of home. The people in the feed yards out there are just the nice. It was great to work with. But uh, after a while, being one of two kids and uh, missing my mom and dad, we moved back here, which is good because my uh, sister actually works for USAID. Uh, She works overseas for the State Department. She's got some interesting stories. Um, She was supposed to have an assignment in Belarus that got canceled with some of the election things that happened a couple of years ago. So this past year, they put her in Ukraine in that in the regional office. Um, After Christmas, she went back to Ukraine the 5th of January and they pulled her out January 28th. And the apartment building that she was living in, her and her family were living in, was the road going down to the capital of Kiev. So they pulled them out with a week or two to spare. They were safe. They did fine. But they uh, had to leave some stuff behind, including their car. And it was amazing the people she worked with. Um, She just got to uh, Lithuania a few weeks ago, and her car was there. So, I mean, of course, you know, all the things that the people that she worked with have struggled to go through. One little blessing in her life is just that their car survived the whole thing. So with her being overseas, it was nice for me to be close to my folks. Um, I guess we've always been close to my folks. But moved back here uh, a little over 20 years ago, started up the practice in Marion. A few years after that, bought the practice from another couple in Harrington. So we have two facilities about 25 miles apart. There's three veterinarians working in those two facilities, which is nice because then we can share, um, you know, we can share uh, after hours calls makes it easier for everyone. Um, I do mixed practice. I mean, I still, there are times of the year where unfortunately I have a day where all I see is dogs and cats and I get a little frustrated about being stuck inside. So the next day I'll be outside and then there's some weeks that I'm just as happy as can be being out in the countryside. I've, uh, I work with a lot of family backgrounding and finishing yards, great people really work to help them try to do just as good as they can. Um, trying to understand, and, you know, we can't just understand the feeding side of it because you have to understand a little bit of the farming side too, because they utilize the resources that they have. And I hope that I can help them adapt to that. Um, I do cow-calf work, um, do a little bit of some odd stuff. This morning I actually was doing a surgical repair on a peacock of all things. (laughs) I've got a few people here that have gotten into peacocks, but the diversity of that makes it fun. It makes it challenging and it makes it fun um always just always something different i i hate to get bored i always thought about going back to school and trying to do a master's degree and i'll be honest focusing on one topic just for me just isn't diverse enough <laughs> so that's why i'm here <laughs>
0: well, wonderful wonderful thank you and on behalf of all of our aabp members i want to thank you for allowing aabp to put your name on the ballot this year. Uh, uh, Jessica, what has AABP membership meant to you, and how has that impacted your career?
1: Uh, you know, AABP. One of the things I think about when I talk about AABP is the friendship and the collaborations, all the colleagues, and and meeting people from from you know both sides of the road with having both beef and dairy. It's been great because. In my mixed practice, I focus a lot on beef, but every once in a while I get to some dairy projects. And so I'm having to reach out and learn. And there's people out there that have been willing to help out. Um, I think Fred was one of the people that really kind of helped pull me in to be an active. Years ago, we got into some practice sustainability um, ad hoc committee groups that talked about how to make sure that our practices, like mine, stays to stay sustainable. and it gave me some great relationships with some great people and their understanding of practice is great. And so I loved learning from them that it's okay to not be working 90, you know, 90 hours out of the week. That it's okay with associates that I can take the time off to do my business stuff that keeps the practice going. Um, That it's okay to talk about QuickBooks and dollars and cents in the background to understand that that practice needs to be able to be financially sound for all of us to be able to enjoy what we want and it's okay to have some flexibility in our practice to allow us to enjoy our families as well as our practice. Um, I've, I've also really enjoyed in the last couple of years. There's been this flourishing of new and different things that really weren't there 10 years ago. And uh, I've never been one to really listen to podcasts a couple of years ago. I've kind of listened to a few people talk about it. My, my, My daughter um, just turned 30 this year. Uh, That ages me a little bit. But she keeps talking about all listening to different podcasts of different things. And one day on a drive, we started going through that all. And I come back and I listen to Fred. And, you know, he's got a great voice for a podcast. I will admire that. And just the short informational pieces that you can listen to have been kind of nice. Because otherwise, I sit there and I search on Google for all this different stuff. And here you got it condensed into one thing. Um, I've also liked how BCI has recorded the sessions because there are times where it's just hard to make sessions. And I understand it for some members that, you know, we all have different practices and our practices get busy at different times of the year. Those BCI sessions are really, really helpful for listening to those, those sessions that sometimes we just can't make. So all that stuff's really helped out. I think having some of this contact on social media with friends and colleagues, and having the ability like this to talk over a webcast is great because 20 years ago, when I first got on practice, um, it sure made us feel isolated. I was out in the middle of nowhere, Southwest Kansas, and trying to reach out to other people just seemed hard. You know, long distance at that time was pretty expensive, and we just didn't have that thing that we have on our phones right now to get a hold of people today. And I think the easy access to other members' minds is so awesome.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jessica. Uh, What initiatives would you like to take on for the organization or develop if you are elected?
1: Wow. That's a hard one, but I will say going to the meeting this year um, and listening to the keynote speaker was a great uh, thing to do. Uh, He, really talked well about a way to include other people that we haven't thought about without it being um, so challenging. Um, You know, one thing is AABP, for recruitment of our membership, we really can recruit from veterinary students and other veterinarians. We may have to start thinking about the more diversity we can get outside of the United States. In fact, I think I saw on an email list from AABP this morning, someone from South Korea, if I was correct, Um, just getting people from outside of the United States that have different, oh, they're, you know, way different experiences. Um, You know, we, we learn to appreciate the things that we may not have to tackle as bad in the United States, but also trying to recruit from our students. We are kind of limited by who the veterinary schools choose as veterinary students, So to try to get around that, there's a couple of different ways. And one was, you know, just simply going out and reaching out in your areas to talk to kids and realize that they can have access to education and making sure that they can learn that there are ways to get to a university, to get to a veterinary school, how to interview and whatnot. And sometimes it's as simple as just day-to-day life, just inviting kids in, having an ag day, Um, our Our school district, I go out to Head Start, which is so young, but it's great. (laughs) And then we'll have uh, maybe the first or second graders come through school. And then in high school, you know, we always try to have two or three good high school students to come work and then try to be active with some local FFA chapters. Well, maybe we miss some of those other kids. Um, And so being a little bit out of the box is probably a good idea with those. I think perhaps. We may need to look at how we can work with our student chapters to do better about funding a scholarship that their university accepts for that challenge kid. Whether it's uh, coming from a rural background and just not having the skill sets to fly through an ACT or going into city where you're challenged to be a part of a, a high school that's so big that some of us can't even imagine and how they weed through that. Now that we have the foundation and we can use the foundation as a way to bring money in to filter back out. And I think I heard someone pretty important in this organization say sometimes you just have to ask for money, You have to be willing to ask. But maybe we also have to be willing to talk to some of these different student chapters and find out how we can start setting up scholarships in some of these chapters that they can use to reach out and bring kids in to their veterinary schools that maybe don't have access to it.
0: Great. And finally, Jessica, our last question, a personal question. What do you like to do outside of veterinary medicine?
1: (laughs) Thanks, Fred. That's a great question. So, A few years ago, when Mike and I started dating, we were were dating for a short period of time, and he's a National Guard, so he ended up having to go over to Kuwait for a year. And when he was over to Kuwait, there was a piece of property down the road, just 155 acres, nothing much. And I teased him. I texted pictures. I said, "Um, "Honey, maybe if I... What do you think if I buy you a a hunting place to go hunting, um, a little hunting preserve?" You know, well, no, it's not really a hunting preserve. It's a farm. We bought 155 acres. It was, uh, at one time, it was uh, someone else's idea of a of a hunting preserve. And then it became just uh, overran with trees and not really well kept. And so for a couple of years, we were trimming back trees and creating hay fields. And, and we had to put some fencing in. And so, of course, to do that, then you have to buy a few cows. And so now we have a nice small little cow herd with the idea that someday in the future for retire, we're going to have a, a few calves a year that we're going to go ahead and finish out and sell to uh, friends and family. And with Mike being in national guard, national guard is a group of guys that a group of people that have grown up in kind of the rural parts of Kansas that come to the bigger cities and, and on the weekends they do their weekend warrior thing and they kind of reminisce about what they used to, used to be able to be, be around. So um, that's kind of our niche marketing for, um, selling some locker beef. Um, So we've actually spent quite more time out there probably than we expected, but uh, it's beautiful out there. I mean, the sunsets are just gorgeous. It's so nice to be a part of nature. It really kind of reminds you why God put you here on this earth, and it's been great for us lately.
0: Well, great. Jessica, I want to thank you again for uh, being on the ballot this year for vice president of AABP, and I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks a lot, Fred.
0: Our next guest is Dr. Callie Willingham. Callie, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, please, and give us your background?
2: Hi, thank you, Fred. Uh, my name is Callie Willingham from uh, Alberta and and Texas, as odd as that sounds. So I, I grew up in Northeast Texas and Sulphur Springs and uh, mixed animal practice. I was a bit of a, a clinic rat, uh, did everything from Cleaning kennels to stocking shelves, pretty much. If uh, somebody asked me to do it, I was told that was my job. Um, I went to vet school saying I would never be a dairy vet. I was very set on mixed animal practice, but uh, never say never, I guess, because uh, as I went through vet school, I realized I just like cows the best. Uh, They make me smile. They make me happy. And so I I ended up pursuing um, dairy medicine. I graduated in 2007 from Texas A&M University and joined Dairy Vet Services in Chandler, Arizona, where I went on to practice for 11 years. Um, Life happens, and so I met my my current husband and ended up moving up to Calgary, Alberta, and that is why I currently split my time between Alberta and Texas.
0: Well, great, and uh, on behalf of AABP, we want to also thank Dr. Willingham for allowing us to place her name on the ballot for the 2023 vice president uh, as well. Uh, Callie, let's uh, ask what has AABP membership meant to you and how do you feel it has impacted your career?
2: This is just a tough question um, because it's, it's played a really integral and important role in my professional development. Um, Not only learning leadership skills, but also volunteering with the organization. It's really been such a supportive organization as I have grown throughout my professional life. I struggle a little bit to put it into words because it's it's just been such such a constant part of of my career and um, given me so opportun so many opportunities to meet colleagues near and far and really explore some different opportunities that I I never would have had if I hadn't been involved with the AABP. And really that's one reason why I'm excited to be on the ballot is I just really want to ensure that future generations of bovine practitioners um, in, in all aspects of practice really feel welcomed by the AABP like I did and feel supported by the organization as they work through their own professional development and growth.
0: Wonderful. Let's talk about uh, the future. What initiatives would you like to take on or develop for the organization if you are elected as the next vice president?
2: The ABP has worked so hard over many, many years to just develop a strong legacy of um, outstanding continuing education and I think that really is the backbone of the organization. So continuing to find ways to expand and ease access to all of these amazing resources for everyone who practices bovine veterinary medicine, whether that's on a, a production basis or treating pets in, in somebody's backyard, it's really important to me that everyone turns to the ABP as that known source of outstanding CE and also trusted information and up-to-date and current information. I also think it's important to continue to expand our member services and resources for those members in all phases of their career. We have outstanding support for students through scholarships, externship grants, and experiences with the conference with the recent grad conference and some of the practice sustainability initiatives for those recent graduates as they're starting their career and looking into into practice and and running the business as well as handling the veterinary medicine side of things. Then also supporting those colleagues in mid-career as they're juggling maybe running their practice with life and just all of the demands that Kind of fall at us every day in life. And then also helping those members as they go through a career transition and enter different uh, parts of the industry. And also supporting those members as they get close to the end of their practice career and are planning their succession and and how to have their business um, positioned so it will be a successful succession for them and the next generation as well. Also, Told a story with my introduction um, at the conference of how I became involved with ABP, which was by having one person inviting me to join a committee. So I'd really encourage each member to then ask or invite one other member to serve the ABP in some capacity. I really do think opening that table, making a bigger table so that everyone feels welcome is an important aspect of the AVP as, as we move into the future.
0: Great. And finally, Callie, uh, why don't you tell us what do you like to do outside of veterinary medicine?
2: Well, I spend a lot of time with my family. I have two older sisters. I have five nieces and nephews. And so uh, spending time with them in Texas and South Carolina is a, a big chunk of, of my time outside of, of everything. Um, I also really enjoy, uh, good food and good wine. So I'm always happy to, to cook and, and enjoy a nice dinner with friends and family as well. Um, and very fortunate to be able to travel again. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy traveling and seeing new places and having new experiences. It's just always amazing to, to experience different, uh, different ways of life.
0: Well, once again, I want to thank you for agreeing to be on the ballot uh, this year. Uh, Encourage our members to vote. And thank you very much for your time on this podcast
2: today. Thank you.